There's a whole, a whole lot that can be said about freedom. We've spent five weeks already. Kevin has taken two weeks and uh, shared a bunch, and so we're going to continue on that today. Uh, I want to give you two quotes that I want you to remember, maybe even write them down, uh, one at a time. And uh, the first one that I want to give you is something that you've heard before. Uh, you've you've uh, not only heard it before, but you are fully aware of the reality of it. Uh, before I give you that quote, that was a little tease. <laughs> before you give, I give you that quote this morning, I want to actually read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 8 that's in your program. Paul writes to the Ephesians, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ, God has given us every spiritual blessing in heaven. In Christ, He chose us before the world was made. He chose us in love to be His people. People who could stand before Him without any fault. And before the world was made, God decided to make us His own children through Jesus Christ. This was what God wanted. And it pleased him to do it. And this brings pause, praise to God because of his wonderful grace. God gave that grace to us freely. He gave us that grace in Christ, the one he loves. In Christ we are made free by his blood sacrifice. We have forgiveness of sins because of God's rich grace. God gave us that grace fully and freely. Freely. The first quote that I want to start with is something that all of us really do know. We really do. We talk about it. We throw it around. People say it all the time, sometimes in jest, sometimes in rebuttal. Uh, But it's something that's often said. And uh, simply put, this is it. There's no such thing as a free lunch. It might be free to you. But there's no such thing as a free lunch. There are... There are many things that we receive in life. We look at them and think, oh, that's great, it's free. Someone somewhere paid for it. There's no such thing as a free lunch. And I don't want to discourage you from enjoying anything free. I just want you to realize someone paid. So when we read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 8, and we realize that God has given this to us freely, and that God has blessed us with all of these things freely, that God has freely bestowed us upon us all of this wonderful, wonderful, amazing grace, and all that goes with it, even before the foundation of the world. It's not free. It's not free. I remind you of a few verses of Scripture Regarding this freedom. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray and the Lord has laid on him, 
the iniquity and the sin of us all. It's not free. Jesus paid the price. He paid the ultimate price. Acts 20 and verse 28, New Testament, we find the Apostle Paul describing how wolves are going to come in sheep's clothing. And he tells us there that the price was great for our salvation. Jesus shed his precious blood and we need to be protecting that. See, it's not free. We receive it freely. We don't pay for it. But it was paid for on our behalf. The other day, actually it's been quite a while ago, but I was going through a drive through was wanting to just kind of get a little burger. It was in the afternoon. I hadn't eaten anything all day. I was in a quick rush, moving, going. And I thought, I'll just run in here and get a little tiny burger. You know, the cheapest thing on the menu. Probably not the best thing, but anyway... And so I, here I am sitting in the, in the line of about four or five cars and slowly making my way to the, to the ordering thing, you know, and I tell them what I want. Uh, I'm negotiating a little bit as to what I want because I, I usually all the prices are there and I'm saying, well, how much is this without that? I don't want any fries, no frills, just what is that? Anyway, so the lady says, oh, it'll be whatever it was. I said, Okay. So I get to the window and the bag comes out, you know, and it's hot. Here's your food. And I'm ready to pay. And the, the gal says, oh, it's already paid for. The lady before you paid for it. Wow. Do you know what, do you know what my, my thought was? Besides thinking that I should have ordered more, no. My, my thought was, my thought was, it's free to me. She paid for it. She paid for it. But it's free to me. Now, I can, I can respond to that in many ways. And what we've been trying to do in the last two weeks and today culminating, we're trying to help us as, as Christ followers, and if you're not one, help you to understand how do you respond to this kind of generosity? How do you respond to this kind of freedom? It is truly, it is truly astounding when you think about what God has done. For example, here's another one in 1 Peter 1, 17-19. He says, If you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay upon the earth. Knowing, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. It cost a lot. The price was high. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Again, John says, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He laid down his life. He gave his life. He sacrificed himself. He was the one who died the wicked death. And by the way, he didn't deserve it. 
He who knew no sin, Paul says in Corinthians, became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We didn't do anything to deserve it. We had nothing in us to deserve it. He paid the full and complete price. There's no free lunch. There's no free lunch, but there is a response that you can have to this gift of freedom. There's a response. And today, as we think about this freedom, it's, it's my desire to share something with you that is very, very, very challenging. It's a lot easier to live in bondage than it is to live in freedom. It's a lot easier for us as human beings to live in a world where we control our attitudes and we come up with our own parameters and even use the Bible as a way of determining who's right, who's wrong, tit for tat, and so on and so forth. It's easy to live that way. We function that way. We know how to do that. We're, we're born into that. It's easier because we have some semblance of control over it. It's easier because we can decide for ourselves just as Adam and Eve did in the early, early chapters of Genesis what is right and what is wrong. It's easier. But it's not better. Living in bondage is easier, but it's not, in, it's not freedom. It's not freedom. So today as we talk about freedom, the second quote I want to give to you is that the freedom that we experience in Christ, the freedom, this freedom is a, is a oh, just an incredibly um, upside down freedom as it relates to this world in which we live. As Paul says, as Paul says, you were in bondage, you were slaves to sin, but now because of Christ, you are slaves of righteousness. So the issue is, how are you free if you're still in bondage? But let me give you the quote. Freedom is not the ability to do what you want to do. Freedom is not the ability to do what you want to do. Freedom is the ability to do what you ought to do. Let me repeat that. Freedom is not the ability to do what you want to do. It is the ability to do what you ought to do. You see, I am now free to do what I was designed to do. I am free to do and be what I was designed to be. I have been transformed. When you come to Christ... He takes you out of Adam and he puts you in Christ. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. You are now designed the way you were intended to be. And now you are free to live the way God designed you to live. You're free to do what you ought to do. You're free to be true to the character of God in you as a Christ follower. Free. Freedom. Well, when it comes to freedom, you and I receive an incredible amount of stuff. A lot of stuff. So what does stuff equal? 
What a stuff equal. I'm going to give you five things that stuff equals. And I know it's, you know, it's not, it's not elaborate, it's not highfalutin, it's not a really incredible word, but stuff, okay? We're going to use the word stuff. And I'm going to give you five things from the word stuff that I think are, are really paramount when it comes to this thing called freedom. The first thing is S, sacrificial servanthood. Sacrificial servanthood. When you look at the scriptures, you find in, in Matthew 20 and verse 28 that Jesus came not to be served, but to give his life, to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. What we received in freedom was God serving us. He served us. He served us in ways that uh, are profound and incredible. God became flesh. God dwelt among us. God tabernacled, lived on this planet with human beings, like a human being, confined as a human being, subject to the laws that he himself created. Right? And he served us. He served us. So... Because I have received this incredible sacrificial servanthood by Jesus, I am now, in responding to freedom, I am now free to serve. I'm free to serve. As Jesus served, I am now free to serve. Isn't that what Jesus taught his disciples? He said, if you want to be the greatest, you need to be the least. You want to be like God, serve. Be a servant. And you know you have a servant's heart when you're treated like a servant and you respond as Jesus would. He served us. We need to serve one another. Galatians 5.13, he says, you know, you're free. He says, but don't use your freedom for selfishness. He says, instead, through love, serve one another. And Kevin already covered that last week. We've been given this. We have freely received sacrificial servanthood. Secondly, T, we have received total forgiveness. Total forgiveness. Isn't that amazing? Total forgiveness. Colossians 2.13, Paul says that he has forgiven us all our transgressions, Everything's forgiven. Total forgiveness. All right. So I've received total forgiveness. Now I'm in a place to give total forgiveness. I am free to forgive as God forgave me. Ephesians 4.32, he says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Wow. <laughs> freedom is not free, and freedom is not easy, is it? Because freedom calls me to be a servant. Freedom calls me to forgive anybody, anything, all the time. 
And at that point, some of us are thinking, well, maybe I'll just take a partial freedom on this. (laughs) We can. A lot do. A lot of us wrestle with this stuff. Why? Because... Because it is not easy. It is impossible, in fact, and I'll get to that towards the end of the message. You and I cannot do this. We cannot perform this. We cannot muster it. We, we, we cannot do these things in the flesh. It's absolutely impossible. Total forgiveness, by the way, includes everything, doesn't it? says he forgave us all our transgressions. All, I think the last time I checked, means all. So we, in response to his grace and mercy, are now free to extend that same forgiveness to all, regardless. And we have degrees of forgiveness in, human, in humanity. We have, we have levels. We have things that are easy to forgive, things that are not easy to forgive. We have stuff that we're willing to just let go. It's no big deal. You know? And then there's other things like, no, no way. I see you all know what I'm talking about. But we're called now because we've been given this. We are free. We are free to forgive all. We're forgive. Free to forgive all. Okay, you, you, we have been given unconditional love. Unconditional love. I know this is not, um, this is not very profound, but unconditional means that there's no conditions. Sometimes we need to hear the most basic things over and over again in a different way. Unconditional means there's no conditions. God loved us unconditionally. There wasn't anything that we needed to do. There was no performance we needed to make. There was nothing that was on our plate to bring forward in order for Him to love us. He said, I love you. Period. Just the way you are. I love you too much to leave you that way. I got a lot that I can do in you if you let me. But I love you. I love you just the way you are. Unconditional love. So what do we do in response to that? What are we now free to do? We are now free to unconditionally love. Your cousin, your uncle, your work partner, whoever it is. Even the crazy driver next to you down the freeway in the middle of rush hour. I mean, we go through the whole gamut and we don't need to do that. It's just, it's just mind-boggling, isn't it? Now we are free to love everybody unconditionally. We, can't, we cannot begin to set parameters on that. We cannot say, well, if you fit into this little box, then it's okay, I'll love you. Because God has torn the box apart. He has blown it apart. Freely loved means I am now free to love. First John chapter 4. I want to read verses 7 through 11. 
It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God. No. But that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation or substitute for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. I'm free to love. I'm free to love unconditionally. All of us know Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, at least most of us, and if you don't, it's okay. It just simply says that God demonstrated his love to us even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Loves us unconditionally. So now in Christ, I'm free. I'm free to do what? I'm free to love. I'm free to love. I can make that choice. I can make that surrender. Let's look at the first F in stuff. First F in stuff is favor through grace. Favor through grace. And there's a, there's a number of passages that I want to just point to uh, regarding this. Because this whole thing of grace is, is really amazing. I, I, have to be, I have to be very frank and honest with you that I understand it in terms of a biblical concept. I understand grace when I study it. But it blows my mind. It really does. The grace of God is an absolutely amazing concept that I don't think we can really, really fully grasp. Grace is giving what is not deserved. If we all got what we deserved, there'd be a new planet, there'd be a new creation, there'd be a new plan. But God didn't do that. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me read Titus chapter 1, verse 11. He says, um, regarding the empty talkers and deceivers, he says, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach. I am reading the wrong verse. It's amazing how one little number can make big differences. Move over to chapter 2. <laughs> chapter 2, beginning there in verse 11, he says, The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. The grace of God appeared. The epitome of grace is Jesus. The epitome of grace is Jesus. And he extended grace to everyone. Sometimes the grace was strong and powerful in the sense that it was confrontive and sometimes the grace was not but but it was still undeserved undeserved favor that he gave to everyone in the same passage in Titus 3 he says in verses 4 and 5 when the kindness of god or the grace of god when the kindness of god 
our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. Mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. So we find the grace of God is that which God extends to all of humanity because we don't deserve anything that he's given us or blessed us with. We don't. I go back to what I said at the beginning. There's no free lunch. You don't deserve grace. You receive grace. You can't earn grace. Remember Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10, he talks about the fact that it's by grace through faith that we are saved, and it's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God so that none of us can boast. Nobody can stand up and take any credit for anything. The credit belongs completely and solely to him and to the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm free. I'm free as I receive that grace, undeserved favor, undeserved extension of, of room, of space. Space to be a human jerk. Space to be a human idiot. Space to be dumb. Space to be stupid. Space to be whatever we are as human beings. I mean, we run the gamut, don't we? And God gives us grace. Amen. Aren't you glad you don't have to take an SAT with God? No test required. Listen, this is so important. Again, grace received results in what? Freedom to give grace. Freedom to give grace. Colossians 4.6, uh, we find Paul talking about the fact that when we speak, we need to have, we need to have real discipline to make sure that our, our speech is seasoned with grace. Seasoned with grace. We need to be gracious. And in fact, Paul, Peter uh, says in, in uh, chapter 3 and verse 18, that you and I ought to always be growing in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have been favored by grace. Now free, I can favor others in grace. I can give them some slack. But we sure have a tight rope on a lot of things, a lot of people. I don't know about you, but I'm learning... And most of my learning comes the hard way. You might be more, more blessed not to have that experience, but most of my learning comes the hard way because I'm a little bit thick-headed and stubborn and prideful and selfish and all those things. And so God has to, has, has to just kind of sometimes beat it into me. He doesn't literally do that. You understand Favor through grace. And then finally, finally the one I wanted to mention is this, the second F. Fellowship forever. Fellowship forever. Uh, most of us, uh, if we've read the, the book of Revelation, 
and studied all about the churches and so on, most of us have, have recognized this incredible verse in, in uh, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 where, where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's talking about the door of the church. And he says, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. We will have fellowship. Fellowship. We'll have intimacy. We will have a relationship. We will have an unbroken tie together. And we'll share life. We'll share life. I have been blessed by the fact that God has chosen to fellowship with me forever. That's amazing to me. I know me. And when I read the scriptures, I see who God is. And I wonder, how on earth can you, God, choose to offer me freely because of what was paid by Jesus, fellowship, intimacy, the ability to come boldly into his very presence, to call him my father, to know that I have a family and I have a home being prepared for me for eternity. There's so many things about this fellowship that blow my mind and I don't deserve any of it. I'm not worthy of any of it. I know me. I learn about who God is and I say, God, how could you do that? And it goes right back to the same thing we've been saying over and over and over again and we started with in Ephesians chapter 1 and that is before the foundation of the world he chose you and you and you and you and he chose to freely give you through the price paid by Jesus Fellowship forever. Blows me away. What an incredible God we have. An incredible God. And so what did the disciples do in response to this freedom of fellowship? Acts 2, verse 42, the Bible tells us that they devoted to themselves to, amongst other things, fellowship fellowship. And first chapter 1 describes the kind of fellowship that we have to share with God and with one another and walk in the light as he is in the light. But they devoted themselves to fellowship because I've been freely given this incredible privilege of fellowship. Guess what? I now freely can extend what? Fellowship. Fellowship. Well, Kevin did a great job on so many things, and maybe I've even repeated some, but I, I want to ask this, this question as we, as we kind of bring this together this morning. And the question is really simple. How? How do you do this? How? And you say, well, it's by the grace of God. That's right. You say, well, it's because he loves me. That's right. You say, it's because God is in me. He's given me the Holy Spirit. That's right. But the question still remains, how do you do that? How do you flesh that out? How do you live that out day by day by day? How? How? And so, and so this morning, I want to give you two negatives and two positives. 
The first negative I want to give to you is grieve not the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been hurt deeply by somebody? Most of the time we're hurt deeply by those that are closest to us. If you don't know somebody and they do something kind of weird or crazy, you kind of think, ah, I don't know that person. Hurt deeply. You know that feeling of being hurt deeply, to be grieved? That's what happens when we don't let the Holy Spirit do that which God has intended for the Holy Spirit to do in in and through our lives. We grieve the Holy Spirit. We hurt the Holy Spirit. We hurt God. God's hurt deeply when we shut him out, close him out, and don't allow him to do what only he can do. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Which means, by the way, that we need to pay more attention to the Holy Spirit. The second negative is this, quench not the Holy Spirit. Quench not the Holy Spirit. By the way, grieve not the Holy Spirit is Ephesians 4.30 if you're writing that down. Quench not the Holy Spirit is 1 Thessalonians 5.19 and, and quench means basically shut it off. It's like a candle that, you know, it's time to go to bed and so you kind of get a little moistness on your fingers and you snuff it out. Or you're watering the garden and it's time to stop. So you go out and you turn off the faucet. You shut off the water. That's what it is to quench. It's to cut, stop, shut down. It says don't do that. Don't shut down the Spirit. Our only source of power, our only source of hope, our only source of being able to live this life that, that God has given to us and the freedoms that He's shared The only way we can freely do all of these things is through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so the negative, grieve not, is important, but even more here, quench not. Don't shut him down. Don't shut him down. Don't close off the work of God, the Holy Spirit in your life. How about some positives? I may give you two positives. The first one is is First uh, Peter chapter four and, and verse six, and that is live in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. In First Peter four verse six, the Bible says the gospel has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh as men they may live in the Spirit according to the will of God. Live in the Spirit. It's active. It's participatory. It means that, it means that your life and His life are together moving through this thing that we call life. Living in the Spirit. His presence. His communication. His direction his confrontation, his correction, all the things that the Spirit does that we're told about in John chapter 15, it's not just a yesteryear thing, it's a today thing. 
It's a today thing. Live in the Spirit. And then the, the second positive that I wanted to share with you is walk by the Spirit. I mean, it's, it's one thing to just, and I hope, you, I hope you try to understand the way I'm illustrating this because I, I'm not trying to be in any way uh, flippant or in any way um, simplistic about it, but sometimes this idea of living in the Spirit, you can kind of get the idea of just you know, kind of hanging out. You can get that idea. I believe that we need to go beyond just hanging out. It's not just about sitting around meditating. You you know what I'm getting at? So the second positive is that we need to walk by the Spirit. Not, Not just live in the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. Move forward in the Spirit. To do what? To be free. To live free. To freely give what we freely received. Galatians 5 and verse 25. There again we find the Scriptures telling us that you and I, who have been set free, he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. This just follows the fruit of the Spirit that's described by, by Paul. We are free. We are free. And the other passage that you'll find in your program that I know most of you uh, have probably already read since you've been here this morning, and that is, the passage in Matthew 10, verses 7 to 8, and particularly the last part of verse 8. It says, As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are sick. Bring those who are dead back to life. Make those who have skin diseases clean again. Drive out demons. Look, you have received freely, so freely give. Freely, freely, you have received. Freely, freely give. And the song from the 80s or whatever, you know, the Maranatha singers, go in my name and because you believe, others too will come. Listen, freedom is not free, but we freely have received and so we need to freely give. Don't put any attachments to it, to the stuff. Serve freely. Don't put an attachment to it. Forgiveness. Freely give it. Don't put parameters on it. The unconditional love. Freely you receive. Freely give. Don't say, well, I'm going to love this person, but not this one. These kinds of people, not those kinds of people. Freely you receive. Freely give. Favor. Grace. Freely you receive. Freely give. Fellowship. Freely you receive. Freely give. Freely give. Freely. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 17 and 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Liberty. Liberty. And then he says this, We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. We, as we walk in freedom, are being transformed every single day. Every single day. 
as we pay attention to the negatives and we implement the positives. Father, we thank you this morning for your incredible, incredible gift of freedom. Thank you for loving us freely. Thank you for forgiving us fully. Thank you for all that you have done and all you continue to do. We are truly, truly amazed and blessed. We pray, Father, today that that we would respond to the Spirit's work in our hearts this morning. That we would listen, that we would hear, that we would say yes. That we would not try to do what we cannot do, but we would yield our lives to you. Lord, help us as we celebrate communion, as we remember what Jesus did in paying the full price, Lord. May we this morning reflect not just on the blessings that have been freely bestowed upon us. Lord, help us also to embrace what we now freely, freely can give. Lord, help us. If there's anyone here this morning Father, that has not yet come to terms with what Jesus did on the cross. That he died, he was buried, he rose again. The gospel is, the, is that which makes a way. Jesus paid it all to forgive us, to cleanse us, to make us whole, to prepare a heaven for us, to give us new life. And so... Father, if anyone this morning is in this place or listening and has not yet come to the place where they have embraced this free gift, Lord, today may they make that response to the Spirit's leadership and Jesus' invitation where he says, Come to me. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.